Circumpolar Waves, an ICC podcast. I'm Selma Ford, your host for this ICC podcast coming to you from the ICC Canada office in Ottawa. I am the health coordinator at ICC, so I work on a variety of issues related to health that are priorities for Inuit. Right now, across Inuit Nunat, which is a term for Inuit homelands and includes Canada, Greenland, Alaska, and Chukotka, we are all dealing with the coronavirus pandemic. In Canada, everything changed as of the middle of March. Several provinces announced states of emergency, and the Canada-U.S. border was shut down, except for trade. Airlines reduced their flights or shut down. We learned the phrases self-isolation and physical distancing, and the importance of washing our hands for 20 seconds. Regions went into lockdown. Emergency funds were announced by governments. Offices are closed. People are working from home. Some Arctic regions issued press releases with the message that the Arctic is closed. This pandemic is especially of concern to Inuit for a number of reasons, including the lack of healthcare infrastructure in our communities and our ongoing struggle with significant health disparities compared to the general population. For example, before COVID became part of our lives, many Inuit were already living with tuberculosis and its devastating impacts, which have some similarities with the new coronavirus. To discuss the pandemic and how it is affecting the Arctic, our guest today is Minnie Gray, who is from the Nunavik region in northern Quebec. Minnie has worked for decades in Nunavik, mostly in the health field. As an Inuit leader, she wears many hats, and we'll touch on a few of them today, including her position as Executive Director of the Nunavik Regional Board of Health and Social Services, and as the Chair of ICC's Circumpolar Inuit Health Steering Committee. Minnie is a former ICC Canada Vice President and is a member of the Order of Canada and the Order of Quebec. Minnie has been working tirelessly on dealing with COVID-19 in Nunavik, and we are very grateful to her for taking time to talk to us today. Welcome, Minnie. Thank you, Selma. As the head of the Nunavik Regional Board of Health and Social Services based in Kujuwak, how are you dealing with the coronavirus to protect the 14 Inuit communities in Nunavik? Yes, first of all, I'd like to mention that uh, we started um, our uh, emergency preparedness uh, cell, uh, the committee, uh, on March 10th, uh, in which we meet uh, daily uh, with our public health director and all our relevant other people that are dealing with services such as uh, psychosocial services, uh, physical health, and others. Uh, We've had to deal with uh, 16 cases here in our region, in Nunavik. I'm happy to say that uh, they have all recovered. Our first case came on March 28, and a second case came up on um, April 1st. But uh, we have been uh, working very hard to um, ensure the safety of all the uh, people that were affected. So... Um, we are now COVID-free in, in Nunavik at the moment, and, but uh, we're always prepared um, uh, in case another case uh, pops up. That is great news, and fingers crossed it stays virus-free. Yeah. With the virus now in your region, or not, it isn't there anymore, but the threat still is there, um, what are some of the steps you are taking to minimize the risk? Well, I think it was really important that uh, isolation... Uh, and of the, the, the cases and the investigation and tracing of contacts was, was key uh, when these cases came up. 
uh, as you know, in our discussion, we'll also discuss the challenges of housing, uh, overcrowding, and the cases were in, uh, mainly in one main one community, and they were contained to a, a, a family. Uh, it was a cluster, and um, the infection was passed on family to family. Um, we were very fortunate that that these people. Um, were able to recover uh, in their own homes under isolation. Uh, one member of the family was hospitalized, but was later uh, released. So we're very happy with that. Um, I think it's um, uh, a lot to do with the de dedication of, uh, of our medical teams, the doctors and nurses, and the social services that are, were there to provide assistance to, to those uh, that were sick. Uh, as well as the, the leaders of the community were very involved in informing their people and their population of what was happening and that uh, there were strict measures in place. So we've seen the Chief Medical Officer of Canada, Dr. Teresa Tam, on TV every day. She was on the Arctic tour in 2012 and went to the Inuvialu region. So she knows some of the health issues we are dealing with as in need. What message are you sending to the Inuit of Nunavik, and does it differ from what Teresa Tam is telling Canadians in the South, and if so, how? Well, definitely, uh, we are under the directives of, of, of Canada, the public health uh, authorities of Canada, as well as being in the province of Quebec. We're also dealing with the, the public health authorities of Quebec, but uh, we are sending the same messages. Our own uh, public health director, uh, Dr. Marie Rochette, has been exemplary in her role. Um, and and our, our teams, as I mentioned, health centers, medical teams, and and so on. So um, our main message has been the same, to practice uh, protective uh, measures and to, to comply with all the directives of the public health, you know, and, and basically for everyone in our region, uh, the Inuit of our uh, uh, region to, to care for one another and to, to be supportive for one another. Uh, for sure, we, we were very vigilant um, uh, in, in informing the, peop uh, the, the, the directives of isolation, uh, as well as distancing, washing hands, coughing to your, your elbow, um, and, and for sure safe distancing and, and to ensure that uh, when you go out public, you, you uh, abide and comply with the rules, such as going shopping and, and so on, with all the closures of uh, public gathering places like churches and, and gyms and, and, and so on, and even closures of all the um, public offices. So we, we have been uh, quite busy with that. There have been historic illnesses that have spread quickly in the Arctic, such as German measles and t tuberculosis in the 50s. Were there lessons learned from those experiences that are being used today? Definitely so. We all know historically that our people suffered so much uh, historically uh, from foreign illnesses that were new to them. Um, I remember hearing stories from my mother and grandmother of the days where people were all dying around them from 
uh, illnesses that were all so new to them. And um, I think um, we have learned from those uh, times that uh, uh, the protection of our most vulnerable uh, is very important, such as our elders and those uh, with the low immune systems. Mm -hmm. um, I think from knowing what happened uh, in the past, um, there was no doctors, there was no, no hospitals, no, no nurses amongst the people that were afflicted by the historical illnesses. But I think we're very fortunate as Inuit today that we're able to be involved in ensuring that uh, our people are cared for and that we have public health authorities in place to advise us and uh, to transfer knowledge to our population. And I think Inuit involvement in the decision-making pertaining to managing a pandemic has been really key here. Mm -hmm. So can you talk to me about the existing health infrastructure in Nunavik? In your community of Kujuak and the other communities in Nunavik, what exists to treat people who may get the virus? Um, with the cases that we've had, um, it was really important that the two hospitals um, the one in, well, we had uh, the outbreaks in, in, in on the other coast. As you know, we had the Angava coast and the Hudson coast and the, the, the cases that came up were on the Hudson coast. So the the hospital in Bovermito uh, was quite busy with that. We have two regional hospitals, uh, small hospitals, uh, one in Bovermito and one in Kujuak. And um, the CLSCs also in our small communities are also uh, uh, are part of our emergency preparedness and service uh, preparedness. Uh, we have medical teams in place um, and our two main hospitals that I've mentioned have been rearranged uh, to be prepared in, in worst case scenarios. In worst case scenarios, we would still have to depend on uh, medivacs to main hospitals in Montreal. We don't have a lot of resources. We have doctors in place, we have nurses in place, we have uh, the equipments in place, but if ever there was a, a, a major outbreak, we would have to depend on uh, outside resources. But we have been working very well with the Southern hospitals, uh, the corridor of services that we depend on. Um, we have been fortunate to be able to work with our airlines in which if there's a need to have a, a, a COVID case medevac to either Bovernituk or Kujuak, we have the availability of one of the air uh, aircraft that has been equipped to be a COVID medevac plane. And uh, we also have uh, under the province of Quebec, what is called the EVAC, the challenger that that comes into our region uh, that is prepared to send people down if in the event of a, a major case. Uh, you mentioned CLSC. Can you uh, tell us what that is for the listeners who may not know what CLSC is? Um, that's the community uh, nursing stations. In the province of Quebec, they're known as CLSCs. <laughs> All right, thank you. <laughs> You're listening to Unica Circumpolar Waves. ICCU issued a press release early on in the pandemic, noting how infrastructure across the Arctic can potentially contribute to the spread of the virus in our small communities, notably the lack of sewage infrastructure and overcrowded housing. Can you talk about this? 
how this would affect the spread of COVID in your region? Well, this is definitely an issue. Um, if proper infrastructures uh, were not in place, um, I don't know how we would have managed. Uh, we're fortunate here in Nunavik that uh, um, despite the fact that we're still uh, chucking water into houses and pumping sewage out of the houses and so on, and there's always the issue of uh, lack of uh, trucks that may break down or, or such, but uh, we don't lack water and sewage services here, so everything is in place because our, our municipalities are set up to ensure that all these services are in place. Overcrowded housing definitely is a worrisome issue, especially when dealing with a highly contagious disease. And I said it's, uh, the example would be the, the family in the community that got hit. It's an example of how when people are living so close together in a house, how it can spread from one member to another. So next, let's talk about the mental wellness issues related to this pandemic. Uh, before <clears throat> COVID-19, Inuit regions already experienced extremely high rates of suicide and other mental wellness issues such as depression. What are you experiencing in Nunavik regarding that side of health and how is it being managed? It is a challenge, uh, especially with the fact that uh, we have to practice social distancing and that, you know, you can't just go to uh, the, the social worker's office or the natural helper's office or the natural helper can't just go to your house to visit. So it's been a challenge uh, trying to use technology and, and by phone. And um, there is a lot of anxiety around this COVID situation, uh, and we're no different here. Uh, but we've tried to ensure in our uh, emergency preparedness that uh, social services is considered an essential service. So they've been maintained during the pandemic. This also includes the services of women's shelter, homeless, safe houses, and mental health resources. So we've tried to ensure that services are reachable by phone from nine to five during the weekdays and uh, at the regular on-call number the rest of the time. So, you know, we've informed people that if there's an emergency and that they can't call, uh, they could go to their nursing station even after curfew hours and to make sure that they know that the police are there if they feel they're in danger. So we've had to work uh, around um, in, in, in a different way. Um, we've had, you know, to make sure that children uh, or other loved ones that might be having a, a hard time uh, are, are able to access uh, services through the uh, youth protection or the police. You know, uh, difficult life is, is difficult and, and it doesn't stop just because there's a pandemic. Um, so we've tried to inform people that it's okay to ask for help and that there are many resources out there. We've included having 1-800 uh, numbers uh, to ensure that people that are under duress or are feeling anxious or stressed, uh, we have a 1-800 number that they can call. We also have another 1-800 number for people that feel that they're sick and need to know more about uh, what are the symptoms and so on because these are such stressful times. And I don't know how well we would have coped in October or November when the days are dark, um, but um, we, we're fortunate that we, we now have beautiful days and it's springtime 
And um, this is such a big part of our life being out on the land and mm -hmm. land is a healer and uh, we're encouraging on the land activities a lot. Uh, we're providing uh, families and, and people in the communities uh, uh, gas and food vouchers for those that want to take out their family on the land. So this is a big part of mental wellness. Yeah, for sure. That sounds wonderful. So you are also the chair of the Circumpolar Inuit Health Steering Committee. Can you describe for our listeners what that committee does and how it plugs into the ICC process? You could answer that. <laughs> <laughs> Um, we have been around for a number of years. Um, it was ICC had decided that health, uh, in all the, the issues that ICC uh, addresses, uh, they thought a number of years ago that Inuit health really needs to be addressed. So uh, they uh, created um, the uh, Inuit health, Circumpolar Inuit Health Steering Committee, consisting of members from uh, Greenland, Alaska, Chicago, and, and Canada. And um, I've been chair of this committee since the, its inception. Our role is to advise the ICC Council on issues related to all areas of health, both physical and mental health. And uh, ICC in turn lobbies in their different jurisdictions to have Inuit health addressed and to be a priority. So basically that's our role. Uh, we talk about things like mental health for sure. We're all very concerned about the, the high rates of suicide amongst our people. We're very worried about the issues of um, infectious diseases such as TB. So and I'm sure now with this pandemic, this is something that we're all very preoccupied with. Are you able to talk a little bit about how the other Inuit regions in Canada and across Inuit Nunat are dealing with the COVID-19 pandemic? I'm listening to a lot uh, to our neighbor Nunavut. And from what I'm hearing from the other regions, it's the same as us. We're staying tuned to what is happening out there. And I think um, considering our remoteness and, uh, and realities that we face, uh, I think we're doing a very good job of managing uh, what is happening uh, around us, uh, the, the crisis, our adaptability to any situation, um, our way of life may be very disrupted at this time, but being close to the land is also our strength and caring for one another uh, and family is key. And I just want to say that people have been very compliant to our public health directives and, and they're to be applauded. You know, we, we have all the directives in place, uh, social distancing, preventive uh, hand washing, uh, coughing to sleeves, no gathering. We have a curfew. We have um, put restrictions on uh, alcohol availability. Uh, we have a travel ban in place, uh, the only exceptions being patients that need to get medical care, um, humanitarian reasons, and essential workers. And we're trying to ensure that um, we keep our, our people uh, involved and, and communication is very key here. So uh, we have our Facebook pages, we go on the radio regularly. We're starting to look at uh, with the other leaders, um, local and regional leaders. As you know, this is a public health uh, situation we're in right now. So we take uh, leadership as public health authorities to ensure that our 
fellow leaders, uh, local and regional, are well informed. Uh, we've recently uh, started a meeting to start discussing uh, gradual reopening of essential activities. As you know, because of our remoteness, we need to have sea lift. Uh, the sea lift mm-hmm. brings uh, much needed supplies, uh, especially oil, uh, diesel oil for our our hydro Mm -hmm. generators, uh, our fuel for the communities. I cannot imagine not having a sea lift and and realizing by next winter we're low on fuel and such. So these are really important uh, issues that we're trying to address now. But with the knowledge that we cannot use the southern way of reopening. Uh, Our needs are very different. Our realities are very different. Our population is very vulnerable. And and if these uh, reopening activities are going to bring in outsiders, uh, construction crews that uh, have to build much needed housing, crews from the ship landing on shore to do their job. These are all great big challenges that we we have to face at this time. So we have a civil security um, advisory committee in place along with our public health director. So we are working really hard right now to start setting up uh, much um, needed advisors and and subcommittees that will be addressing uh, all areas of activities that will have to gradually reopen. But always keeping in mind that we have to be very vigilant uh, about public Mm -hmm. health directives and to ensure that our vulnerable, our elders are, are well cared for. Well, this has been very informative, and we certainly hope that the number of cases stays at zero. And so thank you very much, Minnie. You're very welcome, Selma. And I'm saying hi to all my friends out there, and uh, keep well and stay safe. Minnie Gray is the Executive Director of the Nunavik Regional Board of Health and Social Services and Chair of ICC Circumpolar Inuit Healthcare and Community. We hope you enjoyed listening to Unika Circumpolar Waves, an ICC podcast.